The U.S. took an unexpected position on COVID vaccines last week. It said it supports making pharmaceutical companies give up their exclusive rights to their vaccine formulas so that all nations can make their own supplies. Countries currently in the midst of major outbreaks are desperate for more doses and say this move will save countless lives. But the pharma companies? They reacted angrily. They put out press releases. They gave interviews to reporters. It's not going to lead to more shots in arms. In fact, it's likely to make the situation worse because patents aren't the problem. Major pharma companies said that waiving their exclusive rights to the patents will hurt the industry without quickly increasing vaccine supply. But the U.S. government sees a bigger threat. Welcome to The Journal, our show about money, business, and power. I'm Kate Leinbaugh. It's Monday, May 10th. Coming up on the show, why the U.S. wants pharma companies to share their COVID vaccine formulas with the world. This episode is brought to you by Workday. Get the whole band together with Workday and pair finance and HR on one platform for an epic performance. With Workday AI at the core, you'll make confident decisions faster than ever. And you'll drive flawless business and finance operations with an agile platform that constantly evolves to future-proof your organization. Be a finance and HR rock star with Workday. Visit Workday.com to learn more. The idea that pharma companies should release their COVID vaccine formulas emerged late last year. India and South Africa submitted a proposal to the World Trade Organization asking for a temporary waiver of patent rights. They want this waiver to cover patents, copyrights, industrial designs, and undisclosed information, which means trade secrets. Yuka Hayashi covers the WTO, which regulates trade-related patents. And she says the countries wanted access to everything about the vaccines, how ingredients were mixed, how the factories were laid out, the full recipe. And why were these countries asking for this? They felt that they just did not have enough vaccines. The U.S. and Europe were ramping up their production, but they were not sharing them with the rest of the world. So they thought that there need to be some kind of way to force the companies in rich countries to share the vaccines with them. More than 100 countries have backed the proposal. But not everyone was in favor. So the U.S. and the EU and several other wealthy countries opposed the proposal. They just wouldn't engage in conversation about the proposal. These countries, where the pharma companies are based, were against a patent waiver for a few reasons. First, they said it's not as simple as just handing over a recipe. Manufacturing vaccines is very complex. So even with the waiver, new vaccines could take months to come online. They also warned that waiving these protections would set a bad precedent, which could be dangerous in the long run. 
the pharmaceutical companies has been lobbying very intensely, along with a lot of other big business lobbying organizations. And their argument is, you know, if you take away the protection of、uh, intellectual property rights, it's going to stifle innovation and creativity, and would prevent、uh, future development of important drugs and vaccines like this. This isn't the first time pharma companies have been in this kind of situation. Back in the 90s, another health emergency forced a similar conversation over who has access to medications. The last time this became a big, big issue was when developing countries like South Africa were facing a serious AIDS crisis. In rich countries like the U.S., medication for AIDS. Was already readily available, and AIDS had became a disease that could be treated. But for these countries, these drugs were prohibitively expensive. They were expensive because they were patented. Cheaper generics weren't available in those countries, so their governments started pushing members of the WTO to ease patent protections for these drugs. And the goal for that was basically to make it easier for companies based in these developing countries to manufacture versions of these drugs cheaply and quickly. And at that time, what tactics did pharma companies deploy to try to protect their IP? So they became very, very aggressive. And at one point, the industry even sued、uh, Nelson Mandela. In 1998, a group of 40 pharma companies filed a lawsuit against the South African government led by Nelson Mandela over a controversial law. This law allowed AIDS drugs to be imported without permission from the patent holders. Mandela strongly criticized the companies. The pharmaceuticals have been charging prices which are completely unaffordable. They cannot only be afforded by the Sufferers themselves, the government can't afford them. He argued that all people, rich and poor, needed access to the drugs. So there is no difference whatsoever between somebody who is HIV positive and myself. The pharma companies said they needed the patent protection to make up for the massive investment it took to develop the drugs. But ultimately, that argument backfired. It became sort of. A public relations disaster for the industry, for them to be suing this global hero over you know drug prices. The drug companies that brought the lawsuit eventually buckled. They started working with manufacturers in developing countries, and once generic versions of the drugs were on the market, prices came down. And there was another outcome of this event, which was that the WTO changed its rules. Allowing governments to override patent protections in public health emergencies—that was the last big push to make pharma companies share their intellectual property. And Yuka says the way things played out back then may be looming over the current proposal to waive COVID vaccine patents. I have spoken to some experts who pointed to that conflict in the 2000s over AIDS crisis and say that. If the pharmaceutical industry came out, you know, too aggressively to fight this waiver announcement, and if the U.S. government sort of 
acts too friendly to the pharmaceutical industry, there will be a pushback that could eventually come back to haunt them. That pushback after the break. This episode is brought to you by C3 AI. C3 Generative AI enables rapid access to secure, traceable, hallucination-free insights from enterprise systems, all while using any LLM, helping enterprises turn the invisible into the obvious. Learn more at c3.ai. In October, when the proposal to make pharma companies share their vaccine formulas was first put forward, U.S. objections meant it was basically dead on arrival. But in the last few weeks, a few things have changed that calculation. For one, COVID has made a resurgence. The situation in India got really, really bad. I've never seen such a terrifying situation. I'm watching patients collapsing in front of my eyes. A person cannot live here in Delhi. A person cannot even die peacefully in Delhi. You could see that if the pandemic gets out of control in other parts of the world, that could result in maybe, you know, dangerous variants. And also the humanitarian reasons. You look at, you know, people struggling and dying. And as a leader in in the global community, the people in the U.S. feel that we should be doing something. It's more than humanitarian considerations at play. There's also a new administration in Washington. And Yuka's sources say the Biden White House is concerned about the U.S. losing its global influence. Some officials within the Biden administration, particularly those who are in charge of national security, have noticed that China and Russia have become uh, very aggressive in their uh, vaccine diplomacy. China has been shipping their vaccines to a number of countries. 200,000 doses of China's Sinopharm vaccine donated by Beijing have now arrived in Harare. Russia is sharing the recipes of its own vaccine with a few countries. Russia, too, is sharing its Sputnik vaccine. It arrived in Serbia and has been trialed in Brazil. So that they can increase the influence onto these countries and sort of establish their leadership on the global stage. You know, these countries see that the West, the U.S. and EU are not sharing vaccines. And there are so many countries around the world who are just desperate to get them. So, you know, they see the opening and they have become very aggressive. Given these new factors, Washington is rethinking its resistance to a waiver. Last week, um, 110 members of Congress from the Democratic Party wrote a letter to Mr. Biden asking him to support the waiver. So this waiver is different from what was discussed in the past in that it just doesn't cover the simple patent of the drug, but it just covers a broad range of protection related to the manufacturing of vaccines. And why are these lawmakers saying that the U.S. should support this waiver? People who are pushing for the waiver definitely believe that because U.S. taxpayers' money was used for uh, developing these vaccines and get them ready, the company should be helping the U.S. government and people of other countries as well. On Wednesday... 
the momentum for a patent waiver became policy. The U.S. Trade Representative announced support for the idea. This decision took pharma companies by surprise, and they're not happy about it. As they said back in October, they're afraid this policy change could set a bad precedent. And their biggest concern is that it won't solve the vaccine shortage. Their most important argument is, you know, there are very few factories around the world that have the capability and equipment to manufacture these complex vaccines. And it will take months and even possibly years to get these factories ready and train their workers. And when they say that, they point to the example of a U.S. factory. Federal health officials say human error led to the waste of 15 million doses of Johnson & Johnson vaccine. Workers at the manufacturing plant mixed up some of the ingredients. So they argue that these vaccines are so uh, complex that even factories in the U.S. have had a hard time producing them. Does that argument hold water? I'm just, I feel like a year ago, there was no mRNA mass vaccine production. And that's been able to happen really fast. So this argument that the pharmaceutical companies are making, are they right about that? That is a very contentious point. Proponents of the waiver are saying that, you know, there are a bunch of factories around the world that are capable of doing this. But then, you know, these companies saying that, no, 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 that is not true. India and South Africa are now in the process of updating their proposal with U.S. input. But the decision isn't a done deal. The WTO needs support from all members for the proposal to go through, which could take months. And getting everyone on board will still be an uphill battle. Last week, after the U.S. announcement, Angela Merkel of Germany said her government remains opposed to the proposal because it threatens innovation. So a number of experts believe that at this point, we don't know what is going to happen to the proposal at the WTO. But during the negotiations that will come in the coming months, what the U.S. and other countries will try to do is to try to narrow the scope of the waiver and also make sure that this is a temporary step to fight this huge pandemic. That's all for today, Monday, May 10th. The Journal is a co-production of Gimlet and The Wall Street Journal. If you like our show, follow us on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. We're out every weekday afternoon. Thanks for listening. See you tomorrow.